Today on Legalese, we are going to be discussing a recent court opinion out of the Fifth Circuit that touches on a number of important topics, including gun rights, the administrative state, and Chevron deference. Hey, greetings and welcome back once again to Legalese. My name is Bob. I am your host. Thank you so much for joining me here today. Uh, let me extend a special welcome to uh, anyone who may be new to the channel. Uh, this is the podcast where we largely will be discussing current events in law, politics, and culture. Uh, now, real quick, I just want to let you guys know that this show comes in a number of formats. Uh, if you want to find the video version, you can find that over on YouTube, Rumble, and Odyssey. For the audio-only version, you can go check out Anchor or Spotify. Uh, if you want a full archive of the show, plus a bunch of really awesome articles and essays uh, that I have written, you can go check out my Substack page, or uh, you can always just go over to uh, our show's homepage, uh, which is legalieshow.com. And if you feel like it, uh, you may want to consider going over to Amazon and uh, possibly picking up my new book, constitutional sleight of hand and explicit history of implied powers. Now, this covers the history of the implied powers doctrine from the common law uh, to today and how to uh, sort of return this doctrine to a more sound constitutional footing. If you're interested in that, you can pick it up on Amazon and you can find the links to take you to all of those awesome things I just rattled off uh, down in the video's description. So today, we are going to be talking about a case uh, that was recently decided by the Fifth Circuit. Uh, this is a case known as Cargill v. Garland. And this was a decision that was a big win for the Second Amendment because this case struck down uh, Trump's unconstitutional bump stock ban uh, on account of that unconstitutional ban violating the Constitution. Go figure. And, as if that wasn't enough, this case also happened to be a big win for those of us who want to see the power of the administrative state heavily pared back, if not completely abolished, as this case struck a blow against a doctrine we have talked about here before, known as Chevron deference. If you're not familiar with that, we'll be getting into it a little later in this video. So, I want to go through the case with you guys here uh, to, to understand what the court said and the important implications that this decision has regarding other current challenges to the ATF that are in the courts right now, uh, such as their uh, new rule about pistol braces. And if you want to either read the full 62-page uh, majority opinion from the Fifth Circuit, or uh, pick up a condensed uh, a brief of the case that I have drawn up, uh, you can find both of those linked down in the video description as well. So, this case uh, came before the court on Bonk. Now, usually how a circuit court case works 
is the hearing will come before a three-judge panel. Now, when the case is especially complex or important, the en banc procedure may be used, and this is when they choose, either sua sponte or by a special request of a party to the case, for a special procedure where all judges of a particular court hear the case. So, in this instance, this case was decided by a panel of 16 judges. And it'll be important to remember that number for a little later. 16 judges. Anyways, now the plaintiff in the case, uh, Cargill, uh, made his case on several different points. And because each one of these reasons were enough by themselves uh, for the court to find in his favor as it ultimately did, I want to go through these uh, one at a time. Now, the first reason on which he challenged this was on the argument that the ATF did not have the authority to institute this new bump stock rule because a plain reading of the statute in question that defines what a machine gun is clearly and unambiguously is not applicable to a bump stock. So turning to the opinion, the court begins by talking about how this appeal concerns a regulation promulgated by the Federal Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco, Firearms, and Explosives. And it is purporting to interpret the federal prohibition on machine guns as extending to bump stocks. A bump stock is a firearm attachment that allows a shooter to harness the natural recoil of a semi-automatic weapon to quickly re-engage the trigger after firing, enabling him to shoot at an increased rate of speed. Now, when ATF first considered this type of ban on bump stocks as a machine gun, the very thing at issue here, uh, it has long understood that these do not qualify as machine guns. The ATF, in fact, has maintained this position for over a decade, issuing many interpretation letters to that effect to members of the public. However, the ATF reversed its long-standing position in 2018, subjecting anyone who possessed a bump stock to criminal liability. And the ATF reversed its position despite the fact that there were multiple bills to that very effect that were introduced both in both houses of Congress at the time. But before those cases could even be considered by the legislature in earnest, the ATF published this new regulation at issue here, uh, essentially short-circuiting the legislative process. And because of this, Cargill is now challenging the, the legality of that regulation, arguing that a bump stock does not fall within the definition of a machine gun as set forth in federal law. And thus, the ATF lacked the authority to issue such a regulation purporting to define the term as such. So the definition of machine gun uh, under uh, Title 26 of the U.S. Code, Section 58, 
45, subsection B, reads as follows. The term machine gun means any weapon which shoots, is designed to shoot, or can be readily restored to shoot automatically more than one shot without manual reloading by a single function of the trigger. The term shall also uh, include the frame or receiver of any such weapon, any parts designated and intended solely and exclusively, or in combination of parts designed and intended for use in converting a weapon into a machine gun. And any combination of parts from which a machine gun can be assembled if such parts are in the possession or under the control of a person. And at this point, I want to give credit to the Fifth Circuit uh, because in their majority opinion, uh, authored by Judge Jennifer Walker Elrod, they really take the time to go through and give a very technical description of the fundamental and functional difference between a semi-auto trigger and a full auto. Now, people who follow uh, sort of gun rights cases will know uh, that, unfortunately, judges rarely take the time to either understand, much less address, these sorts of technical issues, which is precisely what creates a lot of wiggle room for gun control advocates to, you know, sort of accidentally on purpose misinterpret the meaning of a law. And in fact, the court has about five full pages discussing the difference between a full auto sear trigger uh, and uh, those that have what is called auto sear technology. Now, I encourage you guys to go read that section for yourself uh, for brevity's sake. I believe it will suffice for now to say that at the end of this technical functional breakdown, the court concluded the following. The Cargill is indeed correct. A plain reading of the statutory language paired with close consideration of the mechanics of a semi-automatic firearm reveal that a bump stock is excluded from the technical definition of a machine gun set forth in the Gun Control Act and National Firearms Act. Next, the court goes into discussing how even if they had concluded that the government's interpretation of the statute was a reasonable interpretation, they say the government would still have no case based on something called the rule of lenity. Now, the rule of lenity uh, is a legal construction in criminal law that says where there are two reasonable interpretations of a given criminal statute, the court should construe the statute in such a way as to be favorable to the defendant or to construe the statute against the state. Now, the rule of lenity has two constitutional objectives. First, separation of powers, as it limits the scope of statutory language in penal statutes and does not allow the court uh, to establish the contours of a crime and its punishment. 
Second, the rule of lenity stems from the wish to uh, protect the legislature's uh, constitutional lawmaking prerogative and to limit the court's encroachment on a legislative function. But, even if that conclusion were incorrect, the rule of lenity would still require us to interpret the statute against imposing criminal liability. A rich legal tradition supports the well-known rule that penal laws are to be construed strictly. And as Chief Justice John Marshall explained long ago, the rule is, quote, founded on the tenderness of the law for the rights of individuals and on the plain principle that the power of punishment is vested in the legislative and not in the judicial department. It is the legislature and not the court which is to define a crime and ordain its punishment. Now, the government's regulation plainly violates these principles. And as an initial matter, uh, it purports to allow that the ATF, rather than Congress, uh, will set forth the scope of criminal prohibition. The court goes on to say, indeed, the government would outlaw bump stocks by administrative fiat, even though the very same agency routinely interpreted the ban on machine guns as not applying to the type of bump stock at issue here. Nor can we say that the statutory definition unambiguously supports the government's interpretation. As noted above, we conclude that it unambiguously does not support their interpretation. But, the court goes on to say, even if we were wrong... The statute is at least ambiguous in this regard. And if the statute is ambiguous, Congress must cure that ambigu uh, ambiguity and not the federal court. So, of the 16 members of the court who uh, ruled on this case, Thirteen of them agreed that an act of Congress is required to prohibit bump stocks and that we must, therefore, reverse this new rule. Furthermore, twelve members also reversed on grounds of lenity. And eight members reversed on the ground that the federal law unambiguously failed to cover the non-mechanical bump stock. Now, the government's response to the application of the rule of lenity uh, in such a case was entirely predictable, uh, and that is they were going to raise the issue of Chevron deference. So Chevron deference uh, is a doctrine uh, which says that when we have federal agencies which are tasked with supervising and overseeing certain industries or areas of commerce, 
We should give great deference to those agencies when interpreting how issues are defined and how statutes are to be interpreted. And uh, so speaking to this argument for Chevron deference, the court uh, shot this down for three key reasons. The first was that as the government presented this case in the lower courts, the government never raised the issue of Chevron deference before, only bringing it up for the very first time in this en banc hearing, which, because this is an appellate court, uh, is simply not material to the case. Secondly, they say that when we are operating under criminal law, uh, that the court has never recognized Chevron deference uh, in any sense. This doctrine can only be applied under the federal rules of civil procedure and the Code of Federal Regulations, which, once again, uh, the case says it should be strictly construed in the government's favor or against the government. And third, uh, the court sort of asked, why should we grant Chevron deference when the ATF is arbitrarily refi uh, refining the statutes and regulations that exist to mean entirely different things than what they used to? In the past, there have been a number of instances where the ATF was asked whether this law applied to bump stocks. And their answer in the past had very consistently been a big, emphatic no. So, all of a sudden, the, the ATF wants to say that the very same provision of the very same statute, uh, defining what a machine gun meant, meant one thing yesterday and something entirely different today without any change in the law, or the technology being described. However, things don't just magically become a gun when you make a wish to the ATF ferry. Bippity-boppity, pew-pew. All right, anyways. Let's summarize here. So, what we have is a court that held that the Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco, and Firearms and the regulation extending the federal prohibition on machine guns to bump stocks is unlawful. The judges split 13 to 3 on the merits, and the 13 in the majority did divide on the rationale as we already went over. So, the court said that if we were required to defer to the government's position, the government could change the scope of criminal liability at any time. Uh, so we've already went over this. They do go on here uh, to say that uh, concerning and respecting the consistency of agency regulations is nothing new. And then in the opinion uh, they quote from INS v. Cardoza, 
uh, Fonseca, uh, in which the Supreme Court had long recognized that an agency interpretation that conflicts with the agency's earlier interpretation is entitled to considerably less deference than a consistently held agency view. And again, the concern is only magnified where, as here, the government's interpretation of the underlying statute carries implications for criminal liability. And as such, Chevron does not apply because the government has construed the same statute in two inconsistent ways at different points in time. Now, additionally, uh, Cargill went sort of the extra mile here by also raising an issue uh, that the ATF cannot do what they are trying to do because it is a structural usurpation of the separation of powers. The ATF is trying to rewrite laws. And uh, in case nobody at the ATF has uh, double-checked on this any time recently, uh, the Constitution is pretty clear uh, that the only people who can rewrite laws are legislators. However, these gun control measures, as we talked about earlier, have been proposed in the past in a number of gun control bills that were drafted and passed before bo both before and after the bump stock ban issue. And every time these measures have come up for a vote in the legislature, the place where such a change to a statute should be decided, they have been roundly rejected. And... I think another thing that is crucial here uh, with this case uh, is the implication that this will have uh, on the regulations dealing with pistol braces. So currently, the ATF has been trying to do the very same fucking thing with those that it did with bump stocks, which is to say that some particular feature that is a part of a gun can legally be considered the gun itself. Now, a pistol brace is a device that helps stabilize a pistol with a short barrel and a large caliber, which are just ge generally not very easy to handle. And since their creation, the ATF has always considered them a perfectly legal feature whose stated purpose is to act as a pistol stabilizing brace. And, just like with bump stocks, one day, entirely arbitrarily, the ATF decided that a brace for a pistol is basically a gun stock, which would make the gun that it is attached to a rifle, and since short-barreled rifles are not lawful to own under the NFA, that means that your perfectly legal pistol becomes an exceedingly dangerous and illegal short-barreled rifle without you having made 
any modification to it whatsoever. And what's more, the same way the ATF has been trying to say that a bump stock is not just an accessory that turns a semi-auto rifle into a machine gun, they have been saying that for legal purposes, we should treat a bump stock itself as a machine gun. And they say that even, even if that stock is not connected to a gun. We are literally just talking about a small piece of wood or plastic with a small spring inside of it that creates that bump fire action. And similarly, they are trying to say that it's not just that a pistol brace turns a pistol into a short barrel rifle, but they're now getting sneaky with this and trying to claim that the brace itself, even when separate from any gun, is itself a short-barreled rifle. And with all this, it's easy to see how their pistol brace shenanigans are every bit as spurious and can only reasonably be concluded uh, following this case uh, to be an unconstitutional act on the part of the ATF on all the very same grounds that made bump stocks in Cargill v. Garland unconstitutional. Now, personally, I am of a, uh, a position that any statute banning bump stocks or pistol braces would itself be an unconstitutional piece of legislation. However, even if we set aside that argument, and for the, for the sake of argument, we suppose that perhaps, theoretically, there could be some instance where a bump stock or a pistol brace ban in a bill would be constitutional as written. In that case, the only people who are qualified or empowered to make that decision are elected representatives who have that authority. And so, when this bill was roundly rejected uh, by Congress through the democratic process, that is a signal that we the people do not want this garbage fucking gun control anywhere in our laws. It certainly does not signal a desire to see these bans become law created by an agency who has no fucking business writing or rewriting laws. And so, to the extent the ATF can be seen as a legitimate agency, uh, and uh, I would argue their very existence is nowhere supported in the Constitution, but to the extent they want to claim to be a legitimate federal body, that legitimacy is and must be grounded in the executive branch power to execute the laws of the Union. And in understanding that the executive branch does not have the power to create or alter the laws of the Union. And that is going to do it for me here today uh, on Legalese. Uh, so 
uh, thank you so much for taking the time uh, to tune in uh, and, uh, you know, listen to this video. And if you uh, appreciated and enjoyed this video, uh, if you would uh, maybe consider doing all of those awesome things that trigger Al Gore's rhythm, uh, you know, leave a comment. Uh, if you liked it, hit the like button. If you disliked it, hit the dislike button. Subscribe to the channel. All that bullshit. And so, until next time, this has been Bob for Legalese. And of course, as always, Cartago de Lenta Est. Mother Fucker I got a chunk for